This is Corolla Digital. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves diets. Hi, folks. Welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And there is something about diets to talk about, but first, they are always so good, they always put me in a good mood. That's, of course, the Andrew Cogan Orchestra and the Rhonda Fritchie Dancers featuring boy tenor Gil Peters asking the musical question... Is monotone a tone? Now, first of all, uh, Colonel Jeff uh, found that one, took that one off. These are people who are nice enough to to contribute to PayPal. I'll tell you about that later anyway. And you know that uh, he had said that, is monotone a tone? I said, you know, because we always before the show say, well, who do we have for the orchestra leader and the dancers and the boy tenor? And I said, Gil Peters? Well, that sounds like a good name to put in anything. And asking, does he have a musical question? And then Colonel Jeff said, yes. Is monotone a tone? And I said to him, I'm not sure I get that. And he said, well, it means, is it a, is it a tone? It's called monotone. I said, I know what it's called, but is I don't I don't think I know what it means. And he said, well, it means that there's the word monotone, and maybe it's not even a tone. We spent far longer than sane people should spend trying to figure this out. And by that, I mean 40, 45 seconds, you know, but really not getting anywhere. And we're here in the studio over at Ace Broadcast at Adam Carolla's studio. And, you know, people are going to be doing more shows here today. And we couldn't figure that out. So I don't I don't know whether monotone is a tone. I want to congratulate Gil by sending us something that Colonel Jeff thought was good enough to put on and that I think is good enough to put on because I know personally I wasn't willing to look for another one. And then saying that, well, I said to I said to Jeff, then, well, what does stereo mean? Does that mean two tones? And he says, no, that means regular. And I said, and now I started to say, okay, this is getting stupid now. I mean, what does anything mean? What does a wall of sound mean? There's no wall. I mean, didn't are any of these words still meaningful at all? So to to Gill, who asked, is monotone a tone? Uh, I guess the the fair answer is, I don't know. You got me. And I'm not even sure if we could find out. If, if you, there was something you could Google that says, is monotone a tone? I'm sure even on Google that has an answer to everything, that has a reference point to everything, I'm sure even that computer, even the Internet would type back in, you really need a new question. But in any case, thank you, Gil. Uh, I think Colonel Jeff was uh, feeling a little on, on a lofty level uh, today because he was listening today to the Pope's speech saying goodbye, uh, that Pope Benedict is, is leaving, and uh, and he said it was very interesting because also he did it in Latin, that the Pope apparently spoke in Latin and made the speech in Latin, which you've got to be honest is a very classy thing to do. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening, but the guy speaks Latin? 
And uh, so that means, by the way, there's news that coming out of here, out of our show, with Dr. Chris, Colonel Jeff, and me, we say that if you're leaving your job, if you think it's time to retire, you have to make your speech in Latin, too. Now, if you say, but wait a minute, I'm 93. I just don't want to work at the post office anymore. Do I have to still find someone to translate that into Latin? And our answer is yes. Yes, you do. And uh, I'm not sure it means anything to you, but yes, you do. Uh, So uh, Colonel Jeff was listening to the Pope and he was speaking in Latin. He was saying, boy, the guy speaks in Latin. That's something. And he kept thinking he was going to say any second, nominum quid geminus. Which, as you know, I don't even think in the in the handful of shows we've gone back with, that was our original motto of the show, which is a Latin way of saying I was looking for something you could say in a bar, something that always meant something to me. And I traveled so much, and I was in hotel bars, and I always wanted to ask someone, you know, in a hotel bar after you do a couple of shows, you come back, you got your detective book, and before you go up to the room, you throw things in the room, you call home, and you go back downstairs to the bar. It's nearly empty. It's a quarter to something, quarter to one or quarter to two, and that's fine. That's a great way to be in a a bar. It's just the lights are very readable, and I, I would always order something, and as the guy poured it, I would always say, because it was near closing, I would always order a double, of whatever it was, Irish whiskey or something, and I always wanted to say to him, now the guy's right there. There's really no one else in there. It's just me. He says hello, and he he hands me the drink. He puts it on a napkin. I always wanted to say, you call that a double? Because let's be honest, at that point, at that hour, if you were the bartender, you would always say, well, all right, here's just a little pour more, just a little something. So you feel like it's the kind of drink a man should have in 1884, you know, that where, where you feel like you're really lifting something up. And so that was the, our desire to use as a motto for the show. You call that a double? But we decided it was something. There had to be a classier way to say that. So I asked the colonel, and he looked up, and people sent in a lot of Latin phrases for that, an awful lot, because that's the kind of language where even when it's right, it could be said 10 different ways. So we picked nominum quid geminus, with a question mark, nominum quid geminus, as that's the, that's the motto of the show. You call that a double in Latin. And uh, so it wasn't said today uh, during the Pope's recogni- uh, resignation, but you know what? We say it here, and it's nice to say on the air again. And every so often people come up to me, well, in a hotel bar or somewhere, in a train station or, or an airport, and just, you know, lean over with a big smile and say, nominum quid geminus? And uh, so thank you for saying that. But no, it wasn't said today. And by Amazon. That's right, by Amazon. Remember, the sponsor of This Week with Larry Miller is Amazon. We're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of different things happening with the, with the sponsors and the name of the show, and that's really wonderful news. But we're still most loyal to Amazon because remember, you can go no matter what you want in the world. You can go to you can Google Amazon, go on to Amazon, and buy anything in the world you can possibly think of, with the possible exception of an actual Amazon. You can't get one of those. And remember, our 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 policy is. If you do get an actual Amazon anywhere in the world, we want you to call us immediately and we will come out there, well, 
to make sure the situation is is well in hand. Isn't that what some what someone should say? So Amazon is great though. You don't but you don't go to them. You don't go to them. You don't push them in. You don't punch that. You don't go to them on the internet. What you do is you go to us. You go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com, and on our front page, Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris tell me, because I haven't ever checked, there is a banner that says Amazon. And you click that banner. It takes you to Amazon, but now whatever you order, we get part of it. And they're very generous to us. And they, as our favorite phrase is, they help keep the lights on here at Ace Broadcasting. And so uh, thank you for going to them. And it, it really goes into this also. We just started something that the, that Adam has on uh, his show and that a lot of the other shows have there that's uh, through PayPal where it sends money. You can send a donation in that, well, keeps the lights on here. And we said... Uh, last week I said that, you know what, if you do, if you, there's a local bar you like or something, you could always send in some money and find out what three drinks cost, and the three of us will go out and drink them. And that it, it seemed like a nice way to go. And, you know, many of you were very generous, and thank you. And it doesn't, I you know, I tell you whatever goes on here because it's fun to talk about, but it's not that we're getting any dough. It's not like we're, there's folding money. Where someone says, oh, by the way, here's two 20s. Hey, thanks. By the way, that would be good, wouldn't it? Or like you find an old shirt that's been on the floor and there's a 20 in it in the shirt pocket and you just haven't washed it in a while so it was on the floor in a corner. I realize a lot of women don't have stories like this, but really men from the age of roughly 17 to 24 had a lot of stories of, uh, you know, and I hadn't worn that shirt in nine months, but then sure enough, it was on the floor and I picked it up and there was a $10 bill in it. So, uh, you know what? These folks, by the way, at PayPal are very nice. You can go to them. You can click on them on the same way when you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com and like two madmen, Dr. Chris and Colonel Jeff were pointing at the screen where they had typed it in. Say that. Say that. So you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com. You go to PayPal. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> just moved it up and down. What you need is the 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 finger like on the neon sign that goes into it. Uh, so thank you very much for being so uh, so generous. And you know what? We'll let you know where the money goes. And uh, you'll be you'll be. A part of us will be in our minds and in our hearts if we ever do anything like go out and get a big fried chicken dinner again like we did about a year ago, I guess it was. But uh, thank you for for doing that. Please continue if you want and um, send a nice donation here to the Larry Miller Show this week with Larry Miller at LarryMillerPodcast.com. And I'll let you know if something really wild happens. Wouldn't that be funny in life? One of those crazy things where if Suddenly, the quiet, reclusive billionaire is is a fan of the show. And then he says, you know what? Never mind getting donations through PayPal. I'm going to give you a billion dollars. And the only, the only rule is that you have to get potato chips with every drink you have. We could do that, right? 
But you always think, supposing that happened, what if I, what if I, if I helped a guy, he drops his newspaper in the street, and I pick it up for him, and we're, you know, we're in a train station or something, and I said, and he says, well, thank you very much, young man, and you say, oh, that's all right. Listen, I hope someone does that for me someday, and he asks your name, and the next thing you know, you get a billion dollars, a billion dollars. Now, why is he taking a train? Who knows if he has hundreds of billions of dollars? What do you care? The point is, he's going to give you one of them. So that would be pretty neat. Anyway, thanks, folks, and keep that going. It's, it's awfully nice. And uh, that's a perfect, a perfect lead-in to one of my favorite parts of the show, our Joke of the Week. Yes, it's the Joke of the Week time. It's time for the Joke of the Week, which is what we always do at Joke of the Week time. And this came from up in Northern California in San Luis Obispo, Actually, this was in Buellton, and I'll tell you how this came up. But there was a guy in a restaurant there, Patrick, who does all sorts of things around there. He seemed like a nice fella, and as we were leaving, we did a show up there, and I'll tell you about that. But <clears throat> as we are leaving, he says out of nowhere, he says to me, he's in the gift shop, and he says, hey, how about a joke? And uh, he, he wanted to tell us a joke. Pat, Pat Hazel was there with me, and he's the producer of the show, and he was on the show this time also. And so we said, well, okay, great. So he told this joke, and I'm going to tell it to you now. It has to do with the Super Bowl. And as you know, we just had a couple of weeks ago, we had the Super Bowl. And he said a guy has saved up, and he's really not... He really doesn't spend a lot of money in life, but he always wanted to get a good ticket to a Super Bowl game. And so he does that. He goes to the Super Bowl. But still, you know, these can cost a lot. And so for whatever he paid for, which is probably hundreds of dollars, a couple hundred dollars, he was still in row triple Z at the top of the Super Bowl there. And really, you can see it's like a blimp shot of the Super Bowl. You'd still be happier at home, but I'd, I'd like to go to a Super Bowl someday. And so he's up there in row quintuple Z, and he's looking down, and, and he's happy. He's a, by nature, he's a happy kind of guy. And he looks down, and in the in the first quarter and then going into the second quarter, he notices that there's an empty seat right on the 50-yard line right in the front. And it's empty. He notices this, even though it's far away. You'd notice it, and so would I. And he takes his binoculars, puts them up, and sure enough, there's it's an empty seat. There's no one in it. And he thinks, well, someone went to the washroom. Somebody went to get a hot dog. Somebody went to get a beer. And, you know, no one's going to get a seat right on the 50-yard line at the Super Bowl and not be there. So he continues watching, and uh, he goes to his places to get the popcorn and the beer and everything. And, you know, by the second quarter and then going into the third quarter, he notices that— it's still empty. This is still empty. Now, what could someone do? Be going there to read a book? Be going there to buy a book? Could still be on a long line waiting for a beer? This is a little wild. So he says, but well, I can't. I can't worry about this. And he just sits there and watches the game. And then by the fourth quarter, he says, he looks down again through the binoculars. It's still empty. The seat is still empty. And he, and he kind of looks around. He's there alone, but he kind of says, well, this is silly. I might as well see. I might as well ask. I might as well check it out. So he picks up his beer and program and everything else that he had there, and he goes all the way down and all the way across. And that's a way, as you know, in any stadium, but especially at a Super Bowl, that's going quite a way. And he gets up to the empty seat there, 
and there's a, a nicely dressed older gentleman sitting there, and he says to him, "Excuse me, is anybody sitting there?" And the older fellow says, "No, uh, no, no one is sitting there. Actually, that was uh, that was my wife's seat." And uh, and he says, "Oh, I'm sorry. She, I didn't know if someone was here. She maybe she'd gone to the washroom, or she went to buy some souvenirs for the grandchildren, or something like that." And uh, and I'm so sorry. I thought I might sit in it. I thought I might spend the rest of the game in it. I don't want, want to annoy you. And, he's, and the old man says, "No, no, that's that, that's fine. My wife, my wife isn't here actually." And uh, and and the fellow says, "Oh, she's not. Uh, what happened?" And he said, "Well, she's dead. She passed away." And the guy says, "Look, you know something. I I feel I feel bad in a way now, but I I, I didn't know that anything had happened to her, and I'm." And I'm sorry. And, he's, and he's, he sits down and said, thank you for letting me sit here. And then he says, well, to be honest, I have to ask you, didn't you have a friend who wanted something? Didn't she have a good friend? Didn't you have family members or people in the neighborhood who would have loved a ticket like this? It is the Super Bowl. And could, couldn't you have, have just give it to someone? And the guy says, no, 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 no one wanted it. No one wanted it? Really? So you're saying all the family members, all the friends, all the neighborhood people, no, no one wanted to come. Where are they? And the old fellow says, oh, they're still at the funeral. <laughs> and that made me laugh when Patrick told it to us. I said, now get a load of that. You go to a guy here in a nice restaurant. I'll tell you about it in a second for another reason. But he says, hey, you want to hear a joke? And it turns out that's a pretty good joke. Now, you can tell that that's called a, sh a shaggy dog story in the comedy world. You can tell that a hundred different ways. You can make up all sorts of beginning beginnings to that. And you don't make it too long, but you want to paint the picture a little bit of, wow, this is a great seat. And holy mackerel, it's right there and it's empty. And then you find out the reason it's empty. It's not for any sentimental reason. It's that this guy said, hey, I'm going to the Super Bowl, and he left his wife's own funeral. And everyone else thought he was horrifying when he said, hey, you want to come with me? I got a seat. You know, it was uh, Angela's seat. No, no, they were horrified. He said, look, be horrified if you want. I'm going to the game. And he did. So that's your, your joke of the week. And uh, if you tell that at the water cooler, please tell them where you heard it. And uh, we're going to start something here today that Colonel Jeff has always wanted to start. And it's a good idea that we're calling the Magic Movie Moment. Now, this you can do. And what I'm going to do is paint you a picture. This is about small moments in your favorite movies. And I'm lucky because I've been in one, a bunch of things that I, I think have good small moments in them. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to mention a famous one and something that always stuck out to me and you can like this too. I can like this. The colonel and the doctor like this. This is something where these little moments really mean something. It's not the larger parts of the story. And it turns out he's his father. You know, it's not that kind of thing in a movie. And this one always made me smile. And I must have seen this movie 20 or 30 times. It's called The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. It's from 1948. And it was directed by John Huston and his father, the great Walter Houston, 
is in this as one of the lead actors, and it's Humphrey Bogart and Tim Holt and Bruce Bennett. And oddly enough, Robert Blake, as a child actor, was in there. He was about eight years old, I think, and he was in there too. And they, it's a wonderful movie. I won't say anything about the movie other than John Huston directed it. It's just a great, great movie. On so many levels, and it hits hits and touches so many things wonderfully. And there's one moment that at the end, it's about 15 seconds before the end of the actual movie. And I won't ruin anything by by telling you, except that well, Walter Houston and Tim Holt as the two characters in the movie of you know, I just had a good smile and laugh with each other and they've made their peace together and uh, that one's going to go this way and uh, Walter Houston's going to go back up to the hills to the village of the the Indian village. He was living in a little bit because he saved someone's life in it and he's going to go back there and he says, and it's true, he said, you know what, because you've seen the village and you know, and he said, you know what, I could live there the rest of my life and be uh, be as happy as I need to be. You just sit in the hammock all day, and they bring you drinks, and you're under the palm, and it's it's a nice way to live. And they so they're they're separating. They they say goodbye. And Tim Holt is a young man who's going off to to make another ten fortunes and and lose them and do whatever he wants to do. And when Walter Houston gets back up on the horse, there are a couple of Indians there who are going to take him back up to the village. And this is. This is up to the village. This is mountains. This is ranges. This is this is really up there somewhere. God only knows where. And as he gets back on the horse, there's a little moment that always makes me smile in a good way because this is one of those things where you never know whether it was the writer or the director or the actor who came up with it. It's just a little thing, but it really pleases me a lot. As they go away, there's no big overacting. There's no shaking jaws. There's no hugging. There's no goodbyes. It's all done in a very understated way. And as he gets back on the horse, Tim Holt says, well, goodbye. And he and Walter Houston doesn't say anything. He just, as he's about to go off to follow the Indians back up, he just turns the horse's head and looks back at Holt. It's about 20 feet away. He just looks back at him. He doesn't have any anything in the expression. It's not anything dramatic or melodramatic. It's not, well, I guess I'll see you. There's no waving. There's no goodbyes. There's nothing. It's just a last look. And it's small and it's quick, but it's very direct. And even when I was a kid and still today, and I saw that movie again about a month ago, still today and even when I was a kid, I thought, that's a great movie moment. I don't know whether it was the actor or the director or the writer who thought of that. I think it was the actor. That's my look, maybe I'm biased because I'm an actor, but I think it was him just wanting to give something back, a little something back, and that's what it is. It's a little something in the way we used to tell stories in movies, and it's just a, a quick look back, and I thought, boy, that's just a terrific moment in this movie. So that's my first movie moment for you. If you have one... And I know it, or even if I don't know it, if you have one, please write in and tell us at LarryMillerPodcast.com. And you know what? I think this is a good way to make another part of the show. There's no uh, there's no hamper update today, but I think this is a good part to make for the show. And a good part that leads into the Poetry Corner. That's right. The Poetry Corner, which has been very rewarding. A lot of 
very meaningful to do, and thank you for the nice thoughts coming back. I always said, I said this a year ago when we started doing this, that if I if I ever had a talk show, if I ever did anything, I always thought it might be nice to have a segment where you just read a poem, just somebody's poem, a terrific poem, a great poem. Not a deep poem, not a long poem. Well, they are deep. But you know what? It's something we don't do much anymore. And so we've started to do it on the show. And uh, here's one I've just always loved. Robert Frost is one of my favorite poets. He's a... Boy, he's a great, great stage in the American creative life from the end of the 19th century through to, I think think he lived to about uh, the late 60s or the early 70s. But, pardon me, this is a poem called The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black, Oh, I marked the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference." Now, I think that's a wonderful poem. That's I think Frost had a great touch not only for beautiful use of language and imagery, but it just felt like it's a great American poem because it, if you feel like this guy would be someone good to have a drink with. I guess everything could be translated to that for me. Yeah, How was he, a nice guy? It felt like someone you want to have a drink with. But you know what? I think it's a beautiful poem, and f- times in my life, at least a dozen or two dozen times over the years, I have used the phrase, I always say, as the poet says, way leads on to way. It's just such a great way to put that as events occur, as things happen. He thought he'd say, well, I guess I'll be back and take this one again. But the line is, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. And that way leads on to way has always impressed me a lot. It's always pleased me a lot. So I I hope it has you as well. Anything by Robert Frost is great. And this this moment is like the magic movie moments. This chance to read a great poet's poem is really very meaningful. And that leads us to Patrick in Buellton, outside San Luis Obispo. And here's why. This past weekend, I did my first road job my first time back because remember i had a brain injury and i i was uh, i was out and uh you know feeling good and doing things and getting better and wonderful but this past weekend was my first time show on a saturday night at the performing arts center at cal poly and by the way i didn't know what cal poly meant i've never known in my life what cal poly meant colonel jeff and i looked it up because you figured something california poly 
technical something. And that's what it is. But it's it's the kind of thing where, like like someone speaking in Latin, it's the kind of thing where even after you find out what it really means, you say, that doesn't help. That That really means nothing. Now I know even less than when I wanted to ask. But it means California Polytechnical Institute of... There's another phrase, but it just means stuff. You know, that you could just say, you could just have gone with stuff for that. But it's the Performing Arts Center there. Wonderful people. This is part of the reason people like me love to work on the road, to get a chance to go to communities, cities, towns, and to go with really a good theater, a terrific crew, people who run the theater, really wonderful. And the people who come in the audience are really aces. It's like I was telling Colonel Jeff on the ride over, it's sort of like a much larger Mayberry and where everyone, you just like people. Oh, look, here comes Otis. Oh, look, here's this. And you just liked them all the time. When people said after Andy passed on, and, uh, well, Don Knotts has passed on, and so many of them, and at that point, people said, well, you know what's always so great about that show? And to me, anyway, they missed the point. They would say, well, the humor was this, and then when you'd laugh, it was this. But to me, it was, I just liked the people in it. I I really did. And and to know that so many made such long careers, I mean, for goodness sake, you know who played Opie. And, you know, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful setting. And that's what San Luis Obispo meant to me. And by the way, it took me a way to say that because it took me uh, some time to say that because the people on the crew, the people who work for the theater, the people who work for the sponsors, the people who work for everything there made, said said to me, and I understand why, but they said to me, now remember, it's not San Luis Obispo. It's not San, it's San Luis Obispo. And, you know, people like that. They, they, you know, they don't want you to mess it up. So I got that. And now, though, for the rest of my life, when I'm talking about a place I really loved, I'll have to stop and think of it again and go, San Luis Obispo, which means, and we looked it up, by the way, I think it has to do with uh, it's a saint, and it's his name is Louis, and he was the bishop of Toulouse. I think that's what it is. Now Toulouse, the only new name I knew that for it was it was the short painter around 1920 who kept going from table to table and saying, "Are you going to eat those fries?" But that's the only use I knew of it. And people said to me, "Is that so? Is that what it is? The bishop? You got me." But you know what? I know it was a great theater. And good people, very, very pleased to be there. So Pat flew in, and we did a show together Friday night, and then uh, we were going to go up there, and we did a show in Ventura, by the way, Randy Lubis's club. It's a great place. You should go there. And we had, uh, Pat had a rental car, and we left at 11 in the morning, Saturday morning, to drive up to San Luis Obispo, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive. You could make it in three you could make it in 345. You could do whatever you want. But it's it's a drive. It's it's just about at the edge of when is a drive too long to be just a drive. It was nice and fine. And we really enjoyed the drive up there for 40 minutes after that. Then, of course, it's, wow, this is this is not okay. But we, we're, we're nice. We're friends. And we had a good time together. And then we decided to, we were going to have lunch, a late lunch. And we decided to stop in Buellton, B-U-E-L-L-T-O-N, 
Buellton, California, which is the home. Boy, I learned so many pronunciations this trip. It's the home of Anderson's House of Split Pea Soup, where you can only get the Split Pea Anderson's Soup. And this is what they have on the signs on all the billboards. You know, that's ready for some split pea soup? Come to Anderson's. And it was modeled after, a you know, a Danish king. And this is way up in California. I'm just saying it's a very nice place. And I happen to, here's the thing, I happen to really like pea soup. I love pea soup. Whenever there's a restaurant with pea soup, I always say, let's get the pea soup. And my sons have taken, uh, well, they've, they've taken something from this too. They always say, yeah, let's get the pea soup. And they like it when it's good pea soup. And we know the difference between regular pea soup and good pea soup. And I figured Anderson's, and we get their cans. They have a whole brand of Anderson's canned pea soup. And we get that. That's the pea soup we make. That's the one we like. And I said to Pat, well, we've got to go to this place. Because, first of all, I haven't eaten since 8 in the morning. And we'll we'll all have a pretty good appetite. We're pretty sharp set. And you know what? Let's get some pea soup. And he said, too, yeah, I'd like to try this pea soup. It sounds pretty good. Let's get Anderson's Pea Soup in the restaurant called Anderson's Pea Soup Restaurant. And you know what? You walk in there, and they have a really nice gift shop that has nothing to do with pea soup, by the way. There are plenty of signs, but you don't notice those right off the bat. And I said, you know what? On our way out, I'm going to get some pea soup signs, and I'm going to get some things from here for the kids and for my wife. And it'll be fun. They'll enjoy that when we come back tomorrow. And we went in there, and we got a nice meal, which is just pea soup. I got the one in the bread. And uh, never quite understood that, by the way. I know we all like it. We all get it. Hey, so you know, in other words, you make a loaf of bread, and then you hollow out the middle of the loaf. Then you put the soup in it. It sounds fantastic, but each time you get it, which is about once every seven years for me, you say, yeah, I think I'll try the one within the bread. And then after a couple of spoonfuls, you think, there's no reason to have this in bread. I could just have a piece of bread and hold it in my hand. But I got the one in the bread. Pat got the one in the bowl. And we both got a nice salad on the side. And you know what? We took a sip of that pea soup. We took a spoonful of it. And then we kind of smacked our lips and swallowed and took another spoonful of it. And you know what? We both agreed instantly. It was just okay. It was fine. It's good. And I'm the pea soup guy, and I'm the Andersons guy, and we have their soup at home. And I was thrilled to be there. I'm still thrilled to be there, but it was it was just okay. It was, it was like, well, the one in the can. It's fine. And the people were as lovely as could be. The inside of the place really did look like a, a, a Danish beer hall or something, and all good food, very nice people. And when we left there, though, we both said, well, you know what? We're glad we went there. And uh, it was reasonably priced and awfully nice people and good food. And, well, now we know we've been here and we don't have to come back again. And the next day, Sunday, we got up and it was early and we were in the car intentionally before 9 o'clock. So at about quarter to 9, we get in the car without having breakfast at the hotel, without having anything. I had an apple before we left. But then we get in the car and we figured, well, you know, somewhere around an hour, an hour and a half outside of San Luis Obispo, we'll grab a bite. We'll go. It could be either a fast food place. It could be an official restaurant. It could be anything. Now, we get about an hour away, and that's taking us, as you must remember now, very close to Buellton. And 
we sort of laughed and said, oh, you can imagine if we went back to the Anderson's restaurant? <laughs> and then we drove another 20 minutes and said, you know, we could. We could go back there. We could go back to the Anderson's restaurant. We don't have to. And I don't want to. And I, you know, I wouldn't. I'm just saying we could. Absolutely, we could. We'll see what's around there. We go back another 20 minutes and we start saying, okay, we're going to Anderson's. Okay, that's just it. We're going to do it, and, you know, we'll have a nice meal there because everything is nice and the people are very nice and the restaurant's very nice. And, well, at least we don't have to get the pea soup this time because it was only, it was going to be about 10.30 in the morning, and I don't know about your life, but I think that's a little early for pea soup. And we go inside there, and people are nice. We saw Patrick again who told us the joke because the joke I told you before, Patrick told because Pat, who's with me, is very friendly and said uh, said to him as we walked in, hey, do you know any more jokes? Now, this is one of those moments in life, by the way, where you want to say to somebody, could you do me a favor and shut your mouth so that we could just go sit down and have some coffee? But he told us another guy. He's a very nice guy, Patrick. And the waitress comes over, and they remembered us from the day before, and they knew us from whatever they knew us from anyway. And she said, oh, well, what can I do for you? And uh, she looks at me, and I just said, I'll have the pea soup because I don't know about you, but once you're there, once you're doing something, once you want anything, we did it yesterday. Did I need to have the pea soup again? No. Did it, Was there something that was dragging me toward it? No. Could I have had something else with eggs and pancakes? Sure. Did I need the pea soup? No. But when she looked at me and I thought, I'm in the place. I'm in Anderson's. So I got the pea soup. Pat said, what are you doing? I said, I think I know what I'm doing. I'm a grown-up, and I think I know how to eat at this point. And so I got, uh, they had a, a dish called the Traveler's Breakfast. That was the name of it, the Traveler's Breakfast, which was two eggs, you can get any way you like, and a couple of pancakes, and they'll put some meat on it if you want. I didn't need anything. And a big bowl of pea soup, because they're themselves, they're the ones saying, look, Let's push the pea soup. At every business meeting they have there around, around the big walnut conference table, someone's saying, you know, we'll have to, we have a lot of leftover pea soup. How about breakfast? People don't want it. Just push it at breakfast. So I got the pea soup, and you know what? And this time I thought, maybe it was just me yesterday. Maybe it was just me thinking, you know what, I was looking for something else. Maybe I'm in a better mood now. I've had a good night's sleep. We had a great show last night there at the Performing Arts Center at Cal Polytech or whatever the heck it is. And... And she put the soup in front of me, and I said, you know what? I bet this looks good. I bet it's going to be great. And I put the soup in again. I have a couple of big spoonfuls, and, you know, you lick your lips in a couple of eight. And Pat said to me, how is it? And I said, the same. It's about the same. It's just really okay. It's about the same. It's still very, very good, by the way. I mean, I, I think this is a terrific place. And I was taking pictures of it and sending it to my kids and my wife saying, next time we're driving up the coast of California, which is going to be roughly never, but next time we are, we're coming here to Anderson's House of Split Pea Soup. And because uh, they have the two characters, the cartoon characters, by the way, they have the big, heavy, fat, kind of tall guy. And he's always hitting on the head with a hammer. And his name is Happy, or H-A-P hyphen P-E-A. His name is Happy. And then the other character is very short, and he's the one who's supposed to split the peas, and he's the one getting hit in the head with the hammer all the time. And he looks very unhappy. And his name is Pee-Wee, but it's P-E-A hyphen W-E-E. And 
so the point is I had the soup and I had the eggs and it's fun. It's all terrific. And uh, Patrick came over. I thought of another couple of jokes. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. We can't can't use them now. And both trips, uh, as we get back to the gift shop, I realized, well, that's the point because you should definitely go to the gift shop before you eat because after you eat, you really don't feel that moved anymore. You really don't want to say, yeah, let's stop at the gift shop and get some placemats that say that have happy hitting peewee. And I'd still love it there, and I'm, we're definitely going back. But that's where I knew that my diet was starting. Because since I've had the brain injury, I have put on, you know, I've been very lucky. I'm not going to tell you the, the, you know, the whole story again, but... Boy, I'll tell you, folks, I put on about 20 pounds, and I need to take off 20 pounds. And something occurred in San Luis Obispo on Saturday night that's never happened in my comedy career. I needed help from my friend, comic Pat Hazel, to close my pants. Now, this is a very good suit that was from a movie I was in, in fact. Uh, It's a good movie, too, with Penelope Ann Miller and Penny Marshall, and it was really good. And uh, and Jessica Simpson, it was really a good movie. And uh, they said afterwards, you want these suits? And I wear them still. They're great comedy suits. They're very comfortable. Except this one was too tight. This has never happened to me before. I'm not the type who gets mortified. I don't get embarrassed. I'm not horrified. I just, I didn't say, oh, good Lord, I can't close the pants. I said a very nice version of, oh, good Lord, I can't close the pants. So I went into where people were having dinner. Pat with also Jake Johansson was there, a great comic. And he and his wife were eating dinner. And I said, Pat, can I see you for a second? I need your help here. And when he came and I said, I need your help closing these pants. And he started to say something funny. And I held my finger up and said, don't. Do me a favor. Don't. We've been friends forever and we'll be friends forever. But don't say anything about not closing the pants. And please don't say it to my wife when she asks how the show was. Because I'm going to start this diet, and sure enough, my wife had gotten a diet that started today. It's one of those where they deliver the food, and you eat the breakfast, and then you go to work out or do something or do whatever you could, is in line for your day there. And after every meal, I've had two so far. I had the breakfast and the lunch, and when people have said, how's the food on this diet, I say to them, have you ever had the pea soup up at Anderson's? Well, No. It's about the same. It's it, it's good, but what you really want afterwards is a pizza with triple cheese and, and nine meats on it. And so you know what, though? It was really wonderful to have all these things come into the same day and be part of the same show and to have Patrick tell a joke that I could put on our show here and to talk about something. And this is the first time I've come in to Ace Broadcasting, to Adam Carolla's studio, and not gone to the fridge and said, I wonder what kind of barbecue they still have left. So you know what? It's time for all of us to say sometimes it's it's a good time to lose a little weight. And that's the way it is for me now. But that's a happy thing to say. I I wouldn't have changed anything in the world. And now I know that, you know what, you don't have to... Once you, once you have food that's been set up for you, you don't have to think anymore. Gee, I wonder what I'll go out and get to bring home. So I won't have to do that again. Then again, I'll tell you next week whether by 8 o'clock tonight I lost my mind and had to go right to a pizza place. But I didn't, and I won't. It, that's not going to happen because you know what? 
we may like to laugh like children and we may behave like children sometimes, but doesn't mean we have to do it. So this is our t- part of our time together is to smile like children again anyway. And uh, that's one of the joys I get from this. So on behalf of Dr. Chris and Colonel Jeff and me and everyone here at Corolla, as always, remember... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that is still the truest thing I know. Be well, and we'll see you here next week. This week with Larry Miller recorded live in Sense Around, which really helps the jokes.